as Father Dindo mentioned in the beginning of the Mass, and you heard it in the readings and the opening prayer, today we celebrate the Ascension. And although the Ascension is one of the very high feast days in our church, in the entire liturgical calendar, the Ascension is right up on the top. I think a lot of times the Ascension gets the short end of the stick. The Ascension is probably the most abstract out of maybe the high feast days. You've got You've got Christmas. I think we understand Christmas, right? That God became man, the incarnation, and we can kind of articulate there and what, what that affects of Easter, right? You have Good Friday, Jesus dies on the cross. Easter Sunday, tomb is empty. He rose from the dead. What does that mean for us? Even next weekend, another high feast day in the church, the Pentecost. We can kind of understand and articulate even of the Holy Spirit that God sent down upon us to empower us to go out. Then the Ascension, 40 days after Easter, Jesus ascends to heaven. So what? It seems like Jesus was doing all right those 40 days after in the flesh. He rose from the dead and he was 40 days there doing some pretty good things, right? Doing ministry. Why the Ascension? As abstract as the Ascension may seem to be, the ascension has important implications in how we live. And to fully understand Christianity, I'd say even like to, to live in peace, to know the meaning, the purpose of our lives, we have to understand the ascension. The ascension is crucial in three ways. Not just three ways, but this is an extensive list, but at least these three ways. The ascension points to relational intimacy, and radical availability. Ascension shows that we are bound for heaven, and the ascension gives us constant advocacy. So first, the ascension and relational intimacy. If you think back, if you heard on Easter seven weeks ago, Easter Sunday, John chapter 20, remember Mary Magdalene is outside the tomb. She arrives at the tomb. She sees the tomb is empty. She's devastated. She's outside the tomb, weeping uncontrollably. And you remember, all of a sudden, she sees Jesus. She realizes Jesus is there, and she sees him, and she grabs hold of him. You remember what Jesus says? Jesus says, let go of me so that I can ascend. The Greek actually brings out the words of Mary clings to him. And Jesus says, stop clinging to me. And of course, Mary's holding so tight because she doesn't want to lose him again. She lost him once. She doesn't want to lose him again. So she's holding him tight saying, I'm not going to lose you again. I'm not going to ever be without you again. And Jesus says, let go of me so I can ascend. Jesus is saying, Mary, don't you understand? If I stay here on earth, you'll eventually be without me. You'll be without me sometimes. You'll be without me when you eat. You'll have to let go of me when you go to the bathroom, when you, when you sleep at night. There will be times if I stay here on earth that you will be without me. But if I ascend, you'll never lose me again. I'll always be with you. Jesus, in other words, is saying, Mary, let go of me so I can come into your heart. The ascension means no matter the darkest spot that we're in, Not sometimes even the darkest spot we think we're in, but sometimes the darkest spots that we are in that will never be without them. 
whatever hell we have gone through, maybe whatever hell we're going through right now or what we will go through, we will never be outside of his grasp because of the ascension. And we're, of course, in his incarnation, God taking on flesh, Jesus was limited to being at one spot at one moment. If you wanted to speak with him or you wanted to relate to him, you had to be in the same spot that he was in. But because of the ascension, there's radical availability. Like most, most of us, if you were to call your doctor today and to say, you have something going on with your back and saying, doc, I need, I need to get in. Something screwy is going on with my back. The doctor would say, well, I'll see you in two weeks. If you were to call a specialist, you're looking at months that you would see to get into the specialist. This is God that we have radical that he is radically available to us at all times. That you and I here this morning can speak with him today and relate our hearts to him today because of the ascension. Of course, because of the ascension, because his body is in heaven, we are pre- he gives us his Eucharist, his body, at this Mass and every Mass. We talked a few weeks ago about John chapter 15 of us being able to be connected to God because of the ascension. The ascension is, does not just allow for intimacy and availability. The ascension shows that we are bound for heaven. We hear in our second reading, the church gives us, we're in, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and we're in chapter 4. Verse 8, St. Paul is quoting Psalm 68, and it reads this, he ascended on high, so Jesus ascended on high and took prisoners captive. And Paul asked himself here, he goes, what, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? There's, there's this famous icon, famous icon that, that depicts this scene. It's one of my favorite icons that, has, that shows a picture of Jesus in hell. And he's standing over the tomb of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve who are in their tomb, and he's holding Adam with his left hand, Eve with his right, and he's holding them by the wrists, and he's dragging them out of the tomb that they're in, and they've got chains shackled on their feet. And as he pulls them out, the chains break, and he, and he pulls them up to heaven, a tomb and chains of which that they could not undo on their own, a tomb that they could not get out on their own. And Jesus brings them to heaven, the path to heaven, a path to heaven of which is not possible, does not happen without Jesus and his ascent to heaven. Because of the ascension, we can know that we're bound for heaven. Will we live a life in Christ? It indicates the goal of which that we're to strive for. And see, that brings, when we live in that spot, we know the aim, the goal of which that we're bound for heaven, it gives meaning and purpose. There is no greater challenge, there's no greater, there's no greater adventure that one can go on, as we hear in our preface that, are, that we will read here and pray in a little bit, that we're made to be like Christ, to be divinized. And I can't help but to think, even looking out here now, of how many how many young people would need to hear that message 
that there is no greater challenge, that there's no greater adventure that one can be on than to devote their lives and to be sold out for Christ. And the ascension also gives us constant advocacy. Deacon John, we, he just proclaimed, we're in the 16th chapter of Mark, and verse 19 says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. So there's this image, this weird image of Jesus sitting at the right hand. Okay, so I'm trying to figure that out. I know Jesus in heaven, he has his body. It's talking about sitting on a throne on the right hand of the Father. Is he really sitting at the right hand on a throne? It's this weird image. And of course, it isn't. It's just an image. It's not, it's not, Jesus doesn't literally sit at the right hand of the Father. And of course, it's, the, it's this Jewish image, understanding that a throne is not just a place of power, but it's a place of judgment, of justice. It's using the, a, a court image. So Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 reads, Therefore, he is always able to save those who approach God through him, through Jesus since he lives forever to make intercession for them. Further it reads, for Christ has entered heaven itself, what we celebrate today, that he might now appear before God on our behalf. So remember a month ago, we talked on the second and third week of Easter about Jesus' glorious wounds. And here it shows up again because it's essential to the ascension and it's essential to Christianity. First John says that Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer. When one is involved in legal proceedings or they have to stand before a judge or before the court, the first thing they do is to seek out and go get a lawyer. If it's a tough case, you are out of your mind to stand before the judge or the court without a lawyer. And if it's a tough case, you better darn well get a good lawyer. Jesus represents us. He's the great high priest, continues to be the great high priest at the sits at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. And so when we sin, he's constantly pleading on our behalf as he sits at the right hand of the Father and he always defends us. So many people, and I hear it all the time, have this incorrect understanding of even Jesus pleading on our behalf and being our advocate. They think, Okay, so I've sinned. Jesus goes before the Father and, and says, here, Father, here's Mark. And you know how he's always saying that he's not going to do X and he's not going to do Y? Well, yesterday he did X and Y again. But please forgive him one more time. Let him off the hook one more time. And the Father says, all right, we'll, we'll do it again. We, and we think, well, man, even Jesus, how... how how can he keep on doing that? See, that's not the right understanding. A good lawyer doesn't stand to stand there and say to the judge, let my, like, let my, give my client a break here. A good lawyer has a case. And Jesus has an infallible case, and, and, and that is the cross. The sacrifice took, that took place, that's represented here at this altar, at every Mass, for the salvation of the world. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16 says, Therefore, since we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. The ascension means that we are able to confidently approach the throne of grace. The ascension is for us to move and to surrender our lives to him, to rededicate our lives to him today. To say, you know what, maybe, like, maybe I haven't been living in a spot realizing this radical availability and this intimacy that I can have with you. Maybe I've forgotten, I don't fully appreciate the way that you've grabbed me by the wrist and pulled me out of the tomb before, when I was baptized, or you continue to do it when I fall out of grace. Or I don't fully appreciate it and honor the fact that you are my constant advocate. So to surrender our lives to him and to rededicate our life to him today. Maybe I'll close with this. Many people do not approach the throne of grace, which Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about here. Many people do not approach the throne of grace because of the deep grave that they're in. Those that have no hope, thinking that there's no way out. There are people that are not in this church today because they feel that they're in a grave that's too deep, that they've got chains that are too tightly wrapped on their feet, and that they feel that they can't get out. The ascension ultimately moves us to go and to take those people by the wrist that we know that are in our lives and to pull them out of the tomb a tomb that they feel trapped and stuck in. To tell people that there, are, there is someone who is your constant advocate, so submit your life to him today. That there's someone who ascended that now we are bound for heaven, which gives meaning and purpose to one's life. Because of the ascension, to tell them that you have radical availability with someone who longs to come into your heart and to have radical intimacy and a level in our heart that we can't even imagine.